Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good, man. Good to see you. My name's Nate, one of the pastors here. Would you welcome everybody in our video venue and watching on our live stream right now? I want to let them know that we are thankful for them and uh, love the words of that song. Uh, especially in this Advent season, many of us can feel like we're in a winter season. And we're going, God, man, we're hopeful that you'll do something in our life, but it just feels kind of like we're in winter. And uh, this is why we stop and we celebrate this Advent season, why we're even called this series Adventually, uh, because so many times we're waiting on things to happen in our life. We're waiting on love to come into our life. We're waiting on joy to happen. We're waiting on hope to come in. Today we're going to be talking about peace. Now, a lot of us, we're waiting for peace. Some of us, we're going, man, can we get Christmas over with so I can have peace back in my life? You know, can I move on a little bit from this season? And, you know, I began to think about that, and I began to think about peace, and uh, the temptation for you and I with peace is this. Instead of trusting in the peace of Christ, we'll just create our own peace. And that's the temptation that you and I have, to just to create our own peace in our life. And I began to think about that and the times that I've tried to do that and the times I regret that. And for some reason, the imagery came to my mind when I started thinking about peace that I've tried to create in my life. Anybody remember that whack-a-mole game from Chuck E. Cheese? Man, I loved that game as a kid. You know, that mole popped up, boom, you know, and you just hit on it. The only problem in life is if that's how we treat things, if that's how we create our own peace, once we kind of hammer something down, what happens next? Something else pops up. And I remember this last year, that's how, you know, I, I took care of it. You know, our tree, we were tired of our Christmas tree, and I said, that's it. I'm buying us a new pre-lit tree. And I told you a couple weeks ago, already my new pre-lit tree, the lights are, uh, you know, going out. want to give you a new update on how my tree looks right now in this Christmas season. <laughs> At least it looks like a candy cane. <laughs> new tree, man. You know, that was it. I, this is how I'm going to solve my problem, right? I'm just going to go buy the tree. I'm going to be done with it. We're going to move on and all the problems are going to go away. And too many times, that's how we live our life. Man, if there's a problem, let's just, let's just take care of it. Let's just do it. The only thing is, another thing's going to pop up. And if we live that way, and if the only way we can get peace in our life is by the peace that we can create, we actually find ourselves wearing ourselves out trying to create peace in our life. Man, we're trying to deal with this and deal with that and deal with all this stuff, and we miss the peace that has come to us in Jesus. Matter of fact, all of us in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus today or not, all of us in this room, we have a deep longing for peace in our life. Matter of fact, this is recorded in the book of Genesis that when sin entered the world, what sin did, it didn't just make us against God. Sin messed up everything within us. So now we don't have peace, not just with God, we don't have peace with ourselves. And we don't have peace with other people. And then we don't have peace with all of creation. See, this is what sin does. It disrupts the peace in everything of our lives. That's why sometimes we'll say stuff like this. Me and God are good. It's just me and everybody else. And God goes, well, I want to bring peace into that. This is why the writers and Proverbs talk so much about peace, because everybody's longing for it. Everybody wants it. We just don't know how to get it. But it says this in Proverbs 17, verse 1. It says, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. 
For some of you, you're going, I would be okay if I never went to another Christmas party for the rest of this year. Let me just sit at home. I'd rather not have steak. I'd rather just sit at home with a cracker and my fat pants on, right? <laughs> and for some of you to just binge watch the Hallmark Channel, you're going, you know, you know, with the fat pants, it just always makes us feel good. We're like, oh, they're loose on us, you know? We're like, well, you bought them two sizes too big, you know? But, but that's why we love them, because they make us feel good. And we're going, you know what? This is so right. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet. Better to just have a cracker than filet if I can have peace and quiet. And a house full of strifing with the best food. There's a longing in our hearts for peace. There's a desire for peace in our hearts. Proverbs 14.30 says this. A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy rots the bones. See, this is why peace is so important. Because when we have peace in our heart, it gives life to our body. It, get li it gives life to our mind. It gives life to our words and our relationships. Oftentimes, when we don't have peace, that's when we do the most damage to everybody else. When we're most envious of others, it's when we have no peace going on in our own heart. This is why it's so important to go, oh, this Christmas season, we need to slow down and recognize this peace that has come for us, because if not, we'll run the danger of creating our own peace. And the problem with creating our own peace is this. Well, again, we'll just begin to live for, for some of you, maybe approval is what brings your peace. If you can get the right people to say the right things about you, you go, ah. Oh. I've got peace. The only problem is, what happens if they never say the words that you want to hear? You never have the peace that you want. For some of you, you are incredible builders. Man, you do unbelievable things, and here you are at the fourth quarter of the year. The year's winding down, and maybe you're not where you want to be, or maybe you are where you want to be financially, but you're going, you know what? You're not satisfied because you're going, I want to do more. And even though it might have been the most generous year in your whole life, you've made the most money, you're going, you know what? I don't really have peace. I need more. See, this is what happens when we don't have peace in us. We don't give life to our body. This is the joy of Christmas uh, in this season of Jesus is because what we find at Christmas is this peace that has come after us, this peace that enters into our conflict, this peace that comes into this world, this peace that comes in to the depths of your heart. It says, where you don't have peace, I want to give you peace. Matter of fact, I'm gonna, I want us to look at this passage in Matthew chapter 2 today. Because oftentimes, this is what we do at the Christmas time, you know, we have trees and we have songs and we have cookies and we have all this hot chocolate and all this other stuff that goes on, and it's great, but the only thing is we forget so often the conflict that was going on when Jesus came to earth. And what I want us to do is I just want to read these 18 verses and just really look at the story and the setting of what happened when Jesus came and how we can have this peace and this peace that has come into the world. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, but I'm going to read 18 verses here so you can see because what we're going to find is this. We're going to find the peace of Jesus and we're going to find and learn about someone who has no peace in their life and the decisions that they make without peace. Listen to what it says, Matthew chapter 2. It said, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? 
we saw the star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. We're going to look at this king today, King Herod. Matter of fact, the reason that he was disturbed because he had been given the title King of the Jews. And someone comes to him and says, hey, we've heard there's a king of the Jews and we're here to worship him and you're not him. And it disturbs him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until, until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. We forget that the whole political landscape when Jesus was born into had absolutely no peace to it. Well, it actually did have peace to it. It just wasn't the peace that God had brought to the earth. You know, this is the thing, if you know anything about Herod, I, I, I kind of found out some things about Herod. I got to go over to the Holy Land this year, and uh, here's what I learned about Herod. Herod is a builder. Matter of fact, he gave himself the nickname. Anybody know what Herod, you know, we give each other nicknames, you know, all this other stuff. Herod said, you know, I'm going to give myself a nickname. Anybody know what the nickname he gave himself is? The Great. How arrogant do you have to be? Now, somebody goes, Nate the Great. Like, I'd get that, you know, just because of rhyming. It doesn't even rhyme with Herod, right? He's just going, Herod the Great. And this is what Herod did. Herod decided, you know how I'm going to be great? I'm going to build. Matter of fact, I got some pictures for you of just some of his things that he built in his life. Look at some of these pictures of some of the things that Herod built. This was a palace that Herod built on top of a mountain. And you know why he built this palace? Because it was in caves around this palace that King David hid from King Saul. 
And Herod built a palace on top of a mountain to show this. You think King David was great? I'm great. Look at the mountain and look at the palace I built on this. And if you see some of his palace, there's like three levels on the side of the mountain. That was his own personal spa that he built in the middle of a desert. He wanted everybody to know, I'm Herod the Great, and I am a builder, and I will build things better than you've ever seen. Matter of fact, he rebuilt the walls in Jerusalem because he wanted to prove to everybody he was better than King Solomon. You think Solomon's great? I'm great. Matter of fact, this is some other pictures I saw of his life and what he built. He built one in Caesarea uh, that he built, or this is actually, yeah, here, here's the one in Caesarea. He built on the Mediterranean Sea, he built a palace, but he didn't like salt water, so he wanted to have a freshwater pool in his house. Now, here's the deal. You're in the desert, so this is what he had to do. He had to build a 19-mile aqueduct just to bring fresh water in for his pool. Little bit of a complex. Little bit of a complex. And you know why? Poor dude had no peace in his life. So all he could do was this. His whole life was built on... My greatness is in what I can build. This is how I'll determine my life. Matter of fact, his greatest palace that he built just outside of Jerusalem, you guys saw the picture a second ago, was a mountain that he made. He made this mountain. It'd be like you going, I want to buy a house in the knobs. Oh, there's no more houses? I'll build my own knob. And then I'll build a house on that. <laughs> now, if that's you, we would kind of all make fun of you. We're like, get a load of this guy, right? He's got to build his own knob and put his house up there just to prove how great he is. Now, I share all of that to say this. When Christ came in, this was the rule and the reign he came in under. Herod the Great. History even goes on to say that he was probably the greatest builder of all time, but he was probably one of the most insecure men of all time. Oh, he had great things that he built. He could build all sorts of things. The only thing is this, he had no peace. And when we don't have peace in our life, we do things that we regret, don't we? You know, sometimes we read this and we go, how could somebody kill babies? You know what? I, one, I don't understand that either, but I go... But when you are so threatened by other people's success, you'll do anything to one-up them. You'll do anything to keep your peace. So today what I want us to understand is this. Our peace is found either between a mountain or a manger. It's in a mountain or a manger. Your peace and the peace that we live will either be found in this peace that is in Jesus or it will be found in this peace that you have to create in your own life, that you have to keep creating. Matter of fact, that's the definition of this, is that a peace in a mountain, you always have to keep the peace. You always have to keep building. You always have to keep getting people's approval. You always have to keep being successful. And if you're not successful, you don't have peace. Except Jesus comes along and he says this, your peace isn't determined by what you build or whose approval you get. Your peace is kept by me. Boy, it's a different place to live. It's a different place to work when you work with peace as your starting point. Not trying to you know, get it, not trying to create it, but going, man, I have peace already because of Jesus. And because of that peace, I can now live. See, this is 
why a heart at peace gives life to the body. For some of you today, you just don't have peace in your heart right now, and it's because you're living a peace of a mountain. And it never really satisfies. As a matter of fact, all it does is it leaves us insecure. You always have to compare yourself to everybody else. That's the only way that you can determine your success. Here's why this is so important for us today. Because we worship our peace. This is what Herod, all he would do is this. All he would worship was himself. That's all he cared about. And we know people like that, right? We know people that maybe around your Christmas story, you know, you'll say this, you know, oh yeah, I got my, you know, my kid, I got him the PlayStation 4 this year. They're like, oh, I got the PlayStation 6. They're like, they haven't even released that. Oh, I know, but I got it. <laughs> you're like, who are you, man? You know, like what? Like they just, they can't celebrate anything with you. There's always this deal that when we, 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 we will worship our peace, and if our peace is always one-upping somebody, if our peace is always being greater than other people, we just can't relax. We're always on. We're always having to do better. We always have to get better, except you see in the Magi, they've come face-to-face with their own imperfections, and they said, you know what? I'm not trying to build a mountain. I need the peace of a manger. And they come, and what does it say they do? They bow down and what? They worshiped. They bowed down and they worshiped. Man, if you want peace in your life this season, it's not about if you'll create peace for your life. It's about will you worship the peace that has come into the world? See, that's a different way of peace, isn't it? God's not waiting for you to create peace. God is waiting on you to worship the peace that's come in to this life. The only problem is this. I love uh, one of my favorite authors is Tim Keller. He says this. He goes, the only thing is we all have to acknowledge a little bit of the King Herod that's in all of us. And we don't like that, do we? We don't like to be honest with where we're trying to control parts of our life or where we're trying to create peace in our life. But what Tim Keller was saying is this. Until we become honest with ourselves, we'll actually never experience the peace that the manger gives. See, this peace that Jesus wants to give, it's not just peace between us and God, it's peace with everything in our life. Even if the conflict remains, the peace is constant in our life. Matter of fact, this is what Colossians 1 says. Colossians 1 verse 19 says this, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, the areas that you and I don't have peace in, Jesus said, no, I've come to give you peace. Because there's sometimes there's conflict in our life that's just not going to go away. Matter of fact, for some of you this Christmas season, you're thankful for Jesus, but you're not thankful for your family gatherings. Because you know the discomfort it's going to bring up. You know the hardship it's going to be when you're going to have to walk into that room and there's conflict with relationships. And Jesus is saying, I want to be your peace in the middle of your conflicts. I want to be your peace in the middle of your own conflict that you have with yourself, that you have with others, that you have with God, that you have with this world. I've come to let you have peace. But is your peace in a mountain, or have you come to find that your peace is in a manger? See, the beauty of peace is this. One, not only do we worship it, peace directs our next steps. 
For some of you, here we are at the end of the year, you've got some big questions to answer going into the new year. For some of you, it's about college questions, and you're going, man, I need to know where I'm supposed to go. I've got to make a decision. For some of you, graduation from high school is coming up. You're going to have to enter into the real world here. You've got some different things coming up from either college or high school. There's all these things going on. Or maybe you're going, I don't like where I'm at in my life. I I want to make some bigger decisions. I've got some things I've got to figure out. The beautiful thing about peace is this. It is always directing our next steps. That's what we find happening here in this story in Matthew chapter 2. It directed the next steps of the Magi. They come and they worship, but they were warned in a dream not to go back the same way that they came. And I tell you, every time that you come face to face with Jesus, you never go the same way. We saw that happen today with Shelby who got baptized. And can I just celebrate with you, church family? We've seen over 300 baptisms this year. 300 people saying, man, God... And what they're saying is this, I've come to worship Jesus and I'm not going back the same way. I'm not living my life to build a mountain. I am worshiping at the manger and the one who has come to set me free, the one who's come to be my peace. Matter of fact, it was this peace that told Joseph in a dream, get up in the middle of the night, take Mary, take Jesus, get to Egypt. If not, Herod's going to come. He's going to kill this kid. You got to go. Peace is always leading us into our next steps. In the middle of our conflict, peace is going, will you listen to me? Will you allow me to hold you together? Don't try to hold your life together. Let me hold you together. This is what peace does. It holds us together. And if not, we'll live a life of Herod that will do ridiculous things all because we don't have peace. See, peace is always leading us forward. Matter of fact, this is what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, it always leads us forward. This is why Jesus told his disciples and he tells us today, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. See, Jesus isn't trying to withhold peace. He's not going, you know, I'll give you peace once I feel like you've done good enough. He's going, no, I want to give you peace. I want you to have peace. I want you to live from peace. He says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, and I don't give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Let me just ask you this question today. What's troubling your heart right now? What are you afraid of? It's a good place to let peace come in this season. See, that's going to be something different for everybody in this room. That's why Jesus came. He's going, I'm trying to give you a peace so that your hearts won't be troubled and so that you won't be afraid because he knows you and I, our hearts are troubled. And we're afraid. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of a bunch of different things. He's going, I want to bring you and I want to give you a peace Paul goes on to describe this other idea of peace. He says this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you're anxious about something, begin to pray, begin to talk to God about this. And then he says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, this peace, it goes beyond every circumstance in our life. I began to think a little bit more about this uh, this week, this peace that has transcends all understanding, this peace that I've experienced in Jesus, and I began to reflect about it. This spring will mark 20 years since my family have moved here from Las Vegas, and it was in the middle of my junior year of high school, and all psychologists say, if you want to mess up your kid, move, all right, and, uh, you know, take away their normal surroundings, take away their, all their friends, you know, you know, they'll hate you forever and all this other stuff. And I've had several people ask me, they go, oh, man, I bet you hated your parents when they made you move in your junior year of high school. And I said, you know what is actually kind of funny? There was a piece of God in this for me. And I really can't even explain it. It shouldn't make sense, but for some reason with God, it made sense. See, that's what the peace of God does. He gives us peace in situations that we go, this shouldn't make sense. We shouldn't have a peace in this conflict. We shouldn't have this ability to have a peace moving through this circumstance in our life. But what happens is Jesus transcends all things and says, I want to give you a peace. You don't need to build a mountain. Just come worship at the manger. Come worship and find my peace peace. Because here's the deal. God is saying this to you. He's going, not only do I want you to have this peace, I want this world to experience the peace that you have. See, this peace that God has for us, this peace reproduces itself. You know how it is if you go into work and your boss is not having a good day. Who has peace in your office? Nobody, man. You walk in, you're like, shh, no one say a word. I know those days when I come home and I see Ruthie and she just gives me that look and I'm like, it's not been a good day. I got the kids, don't worry. We know how this kind of plays out. But here's the deal, this peace that God gives us, God is saying this, I don't just have this peace for you. I want this peace for you, but I want this peace to go through you into this world. See, this world, it is desperate for this peace. That's why Jesus says, my peace I give to you, and I don't give to you as the world gives, because he knows this, the world can't give the peace that I can give. But he's saying, I am longing for you to come and worship at the manger, and to have this peace, and then to go bring this peace into the world. This is why actually Jesus says this to his disciples, and he says it to you and I in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he says this, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Sons of God. You want to live your calling? You want to live and experience all that God has for you? Don't try to keep the peace. Be a peacemaker. Be people who seek to bring bring peace into this world. To find people who are in conflict and to say, hey, I, I got good news for you. I know a guy who left heaven to came to give you peace. So don't be afraid and don't let your heart be troubled because he's come to give us peace. But here's the deal for you and I, we have to be honest. Are we looking 
for a mountain to bring us peace, or are we looking for a manger? You know, oftentimes this is what we do with our lives. We build a mountain, and we build a mountain a lot of times being cynical. That's how we keep the peace, right? We just make fun of everybody. That's one way to live. Just make fun of everybody. Everybody's an idiot. That's how I'm going to keep the peace. For some of us, we got to have more success in what we do. And we got to have more approval. And so we stack it up and we stack it up. And we go, you know what? I got to keep building the mountain here. I got to have approval. I got to build into something great until, <laughs> until our mountain falls apart. You know what's really sad? At the end of Herod's life, on his deathbed, he rounded up elders from all the surrounding cities and gave instructions that when he was to die, to kill all the elders that he had rounded up so all the area cities would cry when he died. You talk about a guy who didn't have peace. Is your peace found in what you're trying to build? Or is your peace found in a manger? You know what's fascinating? Bethlehem is located three miles from Herod's palace. Herod was so obsessed that he never had peace. Jesus comes into this world. He says, I don't need to build a palace. I've just come to bring you peace. But will you let me be your peace? Right now, our volunteers are going to go back and get ready to serve communion. And we take communion here because we celebrate. Thank you, God, for being our peace. Thank you, God, for reconciling all things that are broken in my life. Thank you, God, for giving me a peace that this world can't offer. When we don't get the scholarship that we want, Jesus, you give me peace. When we don't get the promotion that we want, when we don't get the Christmas presents that we want. God, you're my peace. And what he tells you today is this. You don't have to earn this. All you need to do is accept this. And I want to invite you today, maybe for the first time, you've never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins to bring peace into your life. And right now is the moment for you to go, I'm, I'm done building mountains. I'm exhausted. It's time to worship at the manger. Listen to the words again of this song, and then we'll take communion together and worship him.